Welcome to Who Knew. We are fans of the current series of Doctor Who, and here we discuss our likes, dislikes, and insights into the modern regeneration of the show. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher, or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. You can leave comments there, or email us at whonewpodcast at gmail.com. We also have an Instagram and Twitter account. Tweet at us at whonewpodcast. And find us on Facebook. Today's episode is the first episode of Season 7, Asylum of the Daleks. Will the Doctor escape a planet of crazier-than-usual Daleks? Very possible, with the help of Souffle Girl. This episode is written by Stephen Moffat, directed by Nick Huron. It originally aired on the 1st of September, 2012, and was watched by 6.4 million viewers. Hi, this is Eugene. Let's introduce ourselves. Well, this is No. Hi, this is Auburn. Hello, it's Heather. Hi, it's Frank. This is Josh. Hi, this is Brian. I'm here, and I'm Kelsey. The Doctor is lured to Skaro by Darla with the hope that he will save her daughter from a Dalek prison. The Doctor says he knows this is a trap and suddenly a Dalek eye stock emerges from her forehead and she shoots the Doctor. On Earth, Amy is in the middle of a modeling photo shoot when Rory arrives with their divorce papers. He leaves quickly once she signs them and then her hairstylist also turns into a hybrid Dalek and shoots Amy. Rory is shot by a bus driver who conveniently is driving the actual bus Rory got on and wakes up in a holding cell on a Dalek spaceship with Amy. The Doctor arrives and all three are taken to the Parliament of Daleks, which also holds a captured TARDIS. Then the Daleks do the unthinkable. They ask the Doctor to save them. Save the Daleks. Okay, wait a minute. I thought this was a podcast about Doctor Who because I don't understand these two people wanting a divorce. <laughs> I don't get it. I, I, I We're doing the 11th Doctor, right? I'd like to quote uh, Frank from The Doctor, The Widow, and the Wardrobe. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really watching like this episode, but it is a bizarre opening. And couldn't the they have just family. been arguing? Couldn't they have just been in an argument? Like, did it, I, I understand? <laughs> it's actually because of this podcast that I saw this one in a different light, which is they have nowhere else to go with Rory and Amy. So it's like they needed some sort of character motivation. So it's like, okay, time has passed and they've split up. It's like, well, one, you didn't establish that. And two, that's stupid. And three, if your characters are at that point, it's, it's you know, move on. Yeah, so, I agree. God, I remember just turning to Frank going, what is going on? I feel like if this were any other show, the argument that this ends up causing all of this would have been valid. But like, we've literally been through so much with this couple. It's almost an insult to Doctor Who fans to write yeah. this. <laughs> like, who do you think we are as viewers? <laughs> we will not stand for this. Well, they obviously wanted to raise the stakes. You know, I'm sure it was... What could be, you know, the, the, you know, time has passed. We want to uh, have this this wrinkle in the plot and raise the stakes. What could it be that would would actually cause them to be uh, 
dollars. You know, what kind of argument would it be? Sure, there were a lot of on the wall, and you know that was probably the last one to come down. Go back <laughs> in the writer's room. Take well, the thing two. is, we never saw that, but where we last saw them, if you're just watching the actual series, had no clue with this. The opening had so many different questions and so many different ideas. So in some way, I liked it. I didn't like the divorce part, but the whole you know, being on Scarl, I didn't get if that Dalek was like a huge monument Dalek that they were standing in or was it like a Tesselecta thing where they got shrunk down into a Dalek because I don't see Daleks building a huge one for themselves on <laughs> yeah. That made no sense. It's the I thought they were going to go back hate. to that. The monument to hate. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's an artistic, you know, uh, uh, golden calf. <laughs> you know, like, that's not uh, a part of the Dalek's mentality. <laughs> the only way I, I kind of agree with you is that we've seen so many different types of Daleks throughout the classic and modern who? So it's like, okay, this is another grouping of how they do things. So maybe I can kind of give that to them. And I thought before we go through the rest of the whole thing, I thought the, the cinematography was great. Uh, the way it was shot, the lighting, the angles that they used without going too crazy. Good work for the cinematographer, camera, and the director. I knew someone was going to say that. And that's not usually the stuff I look out for. And I like actually did this time. And I'm so <laughs> glad you said that because now I feel validated. <laughs> I'm sorry, but that was really punctuated with the back scratcher really well. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to see a lot of this thing. I just play with it all the time. I, I do. I definitely think that them being inside that giant monument is a uh, foreshadowing to what happens at the end of the show. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I would say this whole beginning section up to Dalek Parliament is like a really great example of science fiction um, exposition. You know, you get all this stuff coming and all this information, but but you kind of go along with it. And like, you know where you're at by the end of the, the Dalek Parliament. Like, okay, I get what's what's about to happen. But yeah, all of that is great. I thought it was clever that they introduced the Dalek puppets, you know, the people with the foreheads, because the only reason to have them was to provide the exposition. Because we needed to explain the Dalek's intent, but we couldn't do it through a Dalek voice because it would take too long. Yeah. I, thought that I had the same thought. I was like, yeah. that has to be why these <laughs> things exist to begin yeah. with. And so, you know, and, and I thought they did it really well. I thought that was clever. And I thought the actress who was the main one was really good. Yeah, I, I liked it. But they, they never use that again, do they? Yeah, they do. I don't recall. Everything in this cold opening is just weird. I mean, it's really like he's trying to drop you in a hurricane. Well, I even found Amy modeling weird. I thought that was, I didn't know if that was like something that had been set up it's because she's modeling. And I'm like, huh? Like, I never would have seen that for her. And 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 yeah, so it's just like <clears throat> this opening made me realize that I never really got to know Amy and Rory as characters. They were, you know, I got to know them as a married couple. I got, to, you know, like, and maybe. But I don't know. we did get to know them, which is why this is so weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because this is not Amy and Rory. We only got to know them on the TARDIS and through, you know, the Doctor. Like, so how, apparently, how many years did you say it was this, where they had seen him two years or something like that? Or Yeah, at know. the end, when he comes back at the end of the other episode. Is it Christmas special? Yeah, but they don't look like they're fighting then. They're having a nice Christmas. They're having Christmas dinner together. They even have the extra spot for the Doctor. Who knows? It's just 
this is what happens. It's it's almost like soldiers who come home for war and can't fit into society after they've experienced mm-hmm. so it, it's crazy. But how do you you know and, and a lot of couples, even in movies and stuff, they, they and get married, you know, and, and fall in love under intense drama. So without that intense drama in their lives, everything they can't they don't function together as a couple during the mundane. That's an interesting take. And you know what? I, I like as it. a character as a character oriented person, I would have really enjoyed that the problem is that we just didn't have the time or the they didn't dedicate time or energy into that so if we had had more time like this could have potentially been a character arc yeah but that's the whole shows how many times have we said that (laughs) (laughs) yeah but i still don't buy that josh for me it's like no we've known these characters we've seen them also live for two years we've seen them when uh the doctor calls them up with the blue invitation they're just living their lives they're doing well and in closing time we did see amy is modeling we thought maybe more because of the tagline and maybe she did suggest that but that she was modeling so that part didn't get me but the divorce coming out of left field you know threw me going this doesn't make sense so right at the beginning it was just okay let's find out what's going on i thought it was like an alternate universe thing at first like didn't even recall it. Was First time I saw this episode, I was like, this has to be alternate timeline it has to be it has to be it has to be (laughs) funny my my first thought like you know when i just accept like oh this is what they're doing my literally my first thought was of course they're going to get divorced there's no high drama keeping together so they're going to create high drama which in in normal life causes divorce what we needed was a like a digital short like they used to do or a digital prequel that's like an up style where they went through all like the the things trying to get pregnant again seeing them like slowly separate drifting apart because you know that's what we missed is all of that emotional buildup to now because it's not really about the taking the photos it's not really about like whatever it's about but we don't have all that context and subtext because we didn't see it and and we get it explained either there or later and by then it's like well you asked me to be emotionally involved but you didn't give me a chance so with Moffat subtext equals assumption yeah that's a good way to yeah Basically, they'll just figure. Well, they'll just figure it all out. <laughs> well, and then, kind of going back to what Josh said about foreshadowing. There's another foreshadowing moment that I, and it's when Amy and Rory are in the prison cell, and then you hear the doctor's voice and see the Dalek coming in. So it looks like the Dalek speaking at first, mm-hmm. and then the doctor's right behind him. Dang, you guys are good. Cool. Yeah. I just watch it again. Going, yeah, I really like that. I liked how he put that in. And then you have the line from the doctor, or from Rory, he says, how much trouble are we in? The doctor goes, how much trouble, Mr. Pond? Out of 10, 11. Yes. I'm like, oh, this is so meta. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, also, is, it yeah. also does one of those cliches that every single television show does. The door wasn't open. How does the doctor hear Rory's question? And every television show does that, where it's like somebody says something, and then a character walks in with the dramatic answer. That's just how the doctor enters every room. <laughs> He's been doing it for like three, three, four entrances and the Daleks are getting sick of it. They're like, finally, here he He's is. He's just used to Rory going, what are we doing <laughs> now? Alburn, back to what you were saying about we should have had this digital like catch up. There, there is a prequel to this, but it doesn't deal with what you want. It's it's with uh, the doctor in the tea room and a hooded figure is visiting him and telling him about Darla. And it's all about that rather than Amy and Rory, which we should have had. But then they do have the pawns 
setup before this when the doctor comes back every month into their lives did you watch that prequel for it oh, oh it's, it's, pond, it's called pond life that's right Pond life yeah yeah right. so the doctor comes back in you know march april may june and then he's not they're not there in july when he tries to come back and figures something's going on something's wrong and so then, it's it's just funny that you mentioned that alburn but watching the show by its the episode by itself you're not going to get that right which is a shame because that's stuff we needed mm -hmm. can you imagine having a five-minute prequel of nothing but Rory and Amy just screaming at each other. <laughs> I don't think it should be the screaming. I think it should be, like, the quiet moments, you know, like the looks. I think it should be the screaming. <laughs> yeah. What did um, anyone think of uh, the the new Time Vortex credits? Anybody? Oh, did you notice that with the texture? Yeah, the Lego. I, them. I was going to say it's the Daleks' lower skirt. Okay, I'll buy that instead of Legos. They're a little... Yes, yeah. I know what you mean. The Doctor Who logo has texture on it for everybody um, that hasn't watched. Does it have Dalek eggs on it? Yes, yes. that's what we were referring to. We, before we get to that, yes. <laughs> Got it. Got it. Okay. Elsewhere on a planet is Souffle Girl, otherwise known as Oswin. Her ship, the Alaska, crashed and she has been shipwrecked for nearly a year. As they do every night, Daleks are trying to break into her stronghold. Above, the Parliament Dalek ship arrives in orbit. This planet is the Dalek Asylum, a place where malfunctioning Daleks are held. A stranger has somehow entered the asylum and they fear the abnormal Daleks could escape. The doctor traces a signal from the planet and talks to Oswin, who is happy to finally hear another person. The doctor asks why the Daleks don't just destroy the asylum. It's because there is a force field around the planet that can only be deactivated from the inside. The Daleks send the Doctor and his companions to the asylum so they can turn off the force field, allowing it to be destroyed. Each of the three is given a device to protect them from the nanocloud. Small microorganisms permeating the planet that change organic beings into Dalek puppets like Darla. When are, they, when are we going to get our force fields? Every society, quite, quite early in sci-fi history, starts getting force fields and shields and stuff. When is that coming for us? Yeah, but can we have smart force fields? Because if you have a force field to keep something in, don't make the only way to turn it off on the inside. Yeah, we don't come out, but we left them the reason to get out. The only, the only reason, possible way to get out. Uh, there's a part in the beginning of this section where Amy is calling out every single thought that she thinks the doctor is having, um, which he presumably is having those exact thoughts. And um, I really enjoyed that moment. But then I also enjoyed a contrasting moment in this section with Souffle Girl or Oswin when she's joking about how the souffle was too beautiful to live. And yeah. it's we don't get to see two companions from different companion eras, so to speak, in the same episode very often. So um, it's just kind of interesting to have their contrasting character types. And of course, we didn't know at the time that Oswin slash right. Clara was going to be companion, but uh, it was. it's always Always fun, I think, to get yeah. the two different energies in one episode. Especially when you look back and know, and then you watch it again. Oh yay! And I really, really surprise. like Oswin. She's super cool. I mean, yeah. Regardless of what you come to think about Clara down the road, um, she was a really super fun character. Do we know, or do you know how, like, how far along was the decision-making process? Did Moffat know at this point that she was going to be the? Oh yeah, it had been announced. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. I mean, when when the episode aired, I remember being like, "That looks like Jenna Coleman, but that can't be Jenna." I mean, they really held on to that secret, and nobody knew. Nobody. Oh, knew. Okay. 
was one of the best kept secrets Doctor Who ever did. Like nobody knew that she was going to be the next companion. No, nobody oh. knew she was going to be on this episode. She, everybody uh, knew that she was going to be the next companion. Yeah, it had already been announced that Amy and Rory were leaving in mid-season, and that Clara was going to take over at that point. Although we didn't know who Clara was, that Jenna Coleman was going to take over, and then to start this, it was another like, wait, what the wait, what? It was a great, great reveal. Yeah, because it was what you I think at the time you're thinking, oh, they're going to have three companions on for a while. They're going to be a whole group. Yeah. Okay. Oh boy. I mean, there's a lot of asylum <laughs> zooming. Right? There's a lot of asylum zooming about mm -hmm. this asylum. It's like, when did it happen? How does the doctor know that there's this legend about it? And why is the force field off switch inside? You know, like, did the Daleks somehow take over the planet, which had a force field to try to keep things out, and then just take it over and dumped all their insane Daleks there? I mean, it just seemed not really needed, but it would have been nice to have some more answers to. Yeah. All of the asylum. Where did it come from? And why a parliament? That doesn't seem Dalek. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> and a prime minister Dalek? Right. Really. Prime minister Dalek. Well, yeah, they, also, they also have your favorite Daleks, Brian. Oh, the big. Oh. Uh, <laughs> the big colored people. ones? Big colored ones, yeah. Well, but that's the supreme Dalek answering to the prime minister. I want to know where the, you know, minister. Do they hold elections? <laughs> like, exactly. How does this, how does this work? Let's get well, a majority. The, the doctor was going to beat them with Robert's rules of order. <laughs> <laughs> but with the doctor saying there's a whole legend about the asylum and all that, it's just sort of, I don't know if that is true with holding the parliament. Yeah, it, it seems counter to what we've uh, learned or experienced with previous Daleks, like the Ironsides and Victory of the Daleks. When they made the new Brian favorite Daleks, they were just shooting the old Daleks, the old Ironsides. So there was no problem. But then I guess they weren't really uh, going insane. Right. But then also resurrection of the Daleks, when there was a civil war between the two Dalek factions, they were killing each other. I know, I agree with you. I go, wait a minute, the whole idea of Daleks against Daleks, that's what we've had. But yeah. thinking about it and rewatching it, it was, these have gone mad. They're insane and they have such hate. They're not really against anyone. They just don't want to be killed by them but it's not like a difference in authority it's not a difference of ideology it was no this is what happens when you have pure hate i can kind of see if they beautiful if they explained it a little bit more i think more people would buy into it and i'm kind of just because i've gotten to like this episode i'm a uh, kind of you know frank explaining it and <laughs> giving it some kind of reason that may not even be there but rationalization yeah, for myself the line was it is offensive to extinguish such hatred and I was like, okay, that's one line that can explain that. Convenient. Yeah. <laughs> but it's perfectly fine to just let them rot in an asylum, though. That is not offensive at all. No. The other retconning thing that came up for me in this episode was the predator mm. terminology for the doctor, where this whole time he's been called the doctor. And then we get now the predator. That's well, I was new. okay also, with that. They but have how so does many he not realize he's the predator? Yeah. That's what I was going to get at. <laughs> I bring up the pre the predator being a, the retcon for the term of the doctor because something will happen later on in the episode. Oh, back to the parliament. Uh, sorry to go back to that, but I did like that they they did a good job of mixing all of their practical Daleks with that big CG room. I think even though the big CG like Daleks were kind of more similar looking, I liked how they mixed in some shots, especially with Doctor with the Doctor in the foreground and Amy and Rory, and then some Daleks with their blinkies in the the far background helped make it feel like it was a big room despite being like probably a small set. And then I would be remiss if I didn't let Rory's 
line um, as they're all like evaluating the Daleks that they're about to face. And Rory's question is, what color? Because that is one of the most important uh, facts to know when going to battle Daleks. That was a good little bit of comic relief there because then everybody turns to him and he goes, all the good questions were taken. Yeah. <laughs> There's another really funny moment, and I w does anybody know the line that comes before it when do the doctor looks at the camera after asking the Daleks a question and says he asks the Daleks like he's narrating a book. Have you tried talking and to I them? Is yeah, that what he says? Yeah. So, Have you yeah. tried, tried following talking the to them? He asks the Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> I, it was funny anyway, but it was especially funny because for some reason I always do that to myself. <laughs> I'm always like saying something stupid and I'm like, she says to nobody. <laughs> that's some of the writing that I loved, you know, and that's the one-liners, maybe like the story arc and different parts of it that don't make sense, but the writing of the lines and the delivery of the lines are great. Same with Darla saying, you know, the doctor goes, you, do you remember any of your past? She goes, I read my file. You know, she leans yeah. into him and says that. I mean, it's just dumb well in that part. There are some good singers. I was surprised when she said that. She said it sarcastically like like and i was like oh okay so when they're so these dalek puppet people have a personality they don't just turn into exterminate robots you know what i mean i found that interesting yeah they kind of insinuated that they wake up mm -hmm. and dalek and that when they have a personality it, they forget they're a dalek so for her to know Dalek and then also be sarcastic. I enjoyed it. I'm not c criticizing. Right. It's a little kind Residual sarcasm? Yes. Maybe she's not a genius, but she is very smart. Hey. And that's a foreshadowing. Well, another foreshadowing I thought was the doctor tells Amy, make them remember you. And I was just watching it again after knowing what happens at the end. I thought that was a real interesting part when they're presented to the parliament and just to go, no, make them remember you. Make them remember what you've done, who you are. And <laughs> um, I've had conversations with people and they go, well, why don't they just send the Daleks down to the planet rather than having them in case? You know, it's like, because then they wouldn't be a threat without any of the weapons. And what we had talked about was, um, that they still honor the Daleks and the Daleks are always armed. You know, they wouldn't want to send it down helpless. And I'm thinking also that suit will help keep them alive, not just because if they're down there for so long, it's still going to keep them going and it's not destroying them. That's what we came up and rationalized. Because like, I never really understood why the nano, the nanobots or the nano cloud was on this planet. Was it to take care of the Daleks? It was an added layer of defense is what the doctor said later on. Like anything that does somehow get through will then be converted to security. Oh yeah, I did say that. Okay. And I was like, once I started liking it, I started picking up on a lot more things. And there's one other comic part that I really liked was when they're hearing the music and it goes, what is that? It's me. Yes, I was on the triangle. Oh, it's getting drowned out. But that was a, that was a great little moment. That was very fun. Buried in the mix. Yes. <laughs> this episode has one of my personal um, creep outs of like body snatcher equations where you start to forget who you are. Like when they, uh, the Alaska, the guy from the, the spaceship Alaska is like, oh, yes, that's right, I died. And you know, things like that where they start turning in, you know, you don't know who you are. And then later, what happens to Amy eventually, the other thing. Um, that's like my favorite yet a most hated creep out of, of movies. And, and TV. So, even like back to the empty child like that whole right that's the name of that episode right uh you my mommy yep yeah so like things like that are like my my favorite things that really affect me. are you my mommy <laughs> i did like that 
declare uh, that Oswald was basically Julie the cruise director on this Alaska. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the entertainment liaison. I can't remember exactly what she said, but I just kept thinking, oh my God, it's Julia. <laughs> Julie. Assistant Palumbo. entertainment. Assistant entertainment. Coordinator. Or... Coordinator. Yeah. That's that's the career path that most geniuses take. Well, they did cover it up. They, they just wanted it. to see it, the universe. So this was a job she could take, and she definitely could do oh, easily and well. Very good, very good. She talks so fast, yep. and I did not have subtitles. Mm. The doctor's saying that the Daleks are too scared to go down there, which writing-wise is contradicted later on in the episode. So I just wanted to point it out. You know, the reason that they do go down there and turn it off is because it's, they're too scared. And it's like, because being scared is not Dalek. Well, I would say, you know, the, the reason there's, it's because they're, they're not predictable. It's the unpredictability. It's almost like they, they have no tactic to deal with that because they are an even match because they are Daleks, but they're not predictable because they're insane. So like with humans and all these and anything other all their other enemies they can predict how the enemy acts but when their physical even match is extremely unpredictable maybe they see that they use the word scared or fear but to me that's just like a chess game you can't win so get someone to go in there for you yeah i disagree with that because i've the doctor's the one who says oh so you're too scared to go down um i just thought that was like oops kind of writing and uh, I'll do the other one later on because I don't want to be a spoiler throughout this. Okay, good. Thank you. Okay. Don't spoil. <laughs> Amy arrives on the snowy surface and meets another survivor of the Alaska named Harvey. Together, they search for the doctor. Osborne finds the doctor by using Dalek technology. She tells him that her ship broke apart during the crash and now she's underground, hoping he will find her. Communication is lost as Amy and Harvey find the doctor and make their way to his section of the wrecked Alaska. Harvey introduces them to the rest of the crew who are all dead. Oh yeah, he forgot he died too. The nanocloud has changed him into a Dalek puppet. He attacks the doctor who is able to fight him off and lock him behind a door. The rest of the dead crew begin to move as the doctor and Amy escape through another doorway. But one of the dead grabs Amy's wristband before the door shuts. Oswin uses an intercom to help them get out of the room. While catching their breath, Amy tells the doctor that she and Rory have split. I wanted to point out that the Dalek periscope that Oswin uses has a goat's iris because goats have a rectangular or square iris rather than a spherical one like humans. Yeah, that was, again, weird. I found that kind of cool because it's different, but it's also based in reality. But I don't know if, if the production designer or the, the modeler knew that. <laughs> it had to be intentional, though, because the iris literally widened when she needed a different view. Like, it was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, if you ever see a goat's eyes, yeah, they're different. <laughs> oh, I, I've seen a goat's eye, let me tell you. <laughs> I like the R2-D2 from Empire Strikes Back vibe of the little thing going and moving and right. going. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's always, yeah, like, that no, got me that right way. away. Yeah. <laughs> I felt sorry I, for Harvey. Harvey seems yeah. like a nice dude, you know? Rip. <laughs> I honestly forgot that that was Harvey's deal. And so I, I was live writing my notes and it says, they ignore the poor guy, dot, dot, dot. Who is a Dalek in all I, I thought the, I thought the location looked great with all the snow, like the, the contrastiness between like stark, barren wasteland 
and then you have like Amy and the doctor being like spots of color or just difference. Yeah, you know where they was that filmed on location or an effect? It looks it looks like real snow and it looks I am really always good. annoyed. I'm always annoyed by fake snow and stuff. <laughs> so when they were wa- running through it and crunching through it, I was like, that's snow. <laughs> so so those portions, like the surface portions of the planet, were filmed at the same location in Spain that they filmed the a future episode in this season, a town called Mercy. They just blanketed it with snow, I believe. Really? This, the Sierra Nevada mountains in Spain, which is the same location as the, a town called Mercy. Okay, I was about to Google. I was about to Google snow in Spain. Yeah, I mean, it could have been July and there was snow on the mountain. Yeah. And I think that image of the doctor and Amy looking down that hole in the ground was used a lot in the promo images for this season. There's the, that shot of um, Matt Smith looking up in the sky mm-hmm. and I've used that sh- shot. It's on high resolution all over the internet, so it must have been a promo shot. I was like, <laughs> this episode. Deja vu. Um, when they were inside the the wrecked ship with the with the dead crew, what, did you guys think it was funny the way that the doctor was like patting them on the head and like was that was that funny? I was turned off by it. I didn't. I couldn't figure out if that made sense with that doctor. No, I think it's just this episode they were going for a lighter tone because they also had the doctor not realizing that he was, you know, the predator. And then he didn't predator. realize what he had said. You know, any organic being, whether live or dead, will turn into one. So they're making him not paying attention to what he's saying. You know, so then Amy's like, shut up. What did you say? Dead? Yeah, I need to. Oh. <laughs> I do want to say, though, that the doctor, when we first saw him in the 2005 reboot, all the way up through David Tennant's, was really, really sensitive to people dying. And um, I feel like Matt Smith's arc has sort of been coming down the hill from that. Whereas he he's, in his first episodes, he was super dramatic, it, it, you know, when it came to things like death and dying. But as his arc has gone on, I feel like he's just been less and less touchy about not like his predecessors. Obviously, he doesn't want people dying, but I mean, like, <laughs> if you compare it to, I mean, David Tennant and even um, Chris Eccleston's doctors would get really, really upset and emotional and would kind of lose themselves for a moment whenever someone didn't make it. And I feel like Matt Smith's just like, oh, okay, what do we do now? Someone's dead. <laughs> I can kind of see it from the doctor's You guys point of all view. look like you do not agree with me. Well, I can kind of see no, it from I'm the thinking doctor's about point of view. Processing. The thing that comes to my mind is the fact that he's the, he's just that much older, you know, and our mortality span is a blink to someone like him. And now he, you know, there was all that off screen time that this particular doctor had lived. He was locked away. He was in that time bubble or whatever it was called. And so, you know, our mortality might even be more trivial, trivial to him. Now, I don't think it's meant to be that way. I think I just retconned it to explain your point, but that's what came to my mind. And I think the doctor came into the situation. His concern right now is getting Rory and Amy out of there and turning it off so that they don't get the nano themselves, you know? And it's like, so his idea is something else. It's like not really cavalier to them, but they're dead and been dead for a year. There's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing I could have done about it. Yeah, and, so. and mine was more of a, a general generalization than focusing on these particular dead people. But since we had brought it up, I thought I would just mention that that's something I had observed. It's one of those things that now I'm going to look, I'm going to see it for it in upcoming episodes. So 
Thank you. And I mean, honestly, it does make sense. The the further away he gets from having hit that button in the time war, the more, I mean, you obviously never fully recover from something like that, but he'll have healed a little bit. It won't be so raw over time. And, and even the stages I, I of grief, sense. like, yeah. will will transcend that, you know, first he was uh, suffering the loss and feeling it. And now that's turning more towards anger and yeah, just numbness. Maybe it's a Gallifrey uh, morning tradition where you pat the head of the <laughs> I, I do think it's a situation on this, because I look back at Fires of Pompeii, and he was, they're all going to die. I mean, they're dead. That's part of what this is, you know, but Donna's saying, no, but now, right here, at this moment, we can save someone. Just save someone. And so he does. Save, save, save that guy. He's got a cool look. We can use that later. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Very, very quick. When they introduce Oswin uh, and the music that they play, it's yes. it's uh, Clara's theme, but it's played on a piano, which they don't normally do. Yeah, I, I looked it up and it's it's very similar, but Murray Gold wrote something different. It's a variant, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it, it, but they never play it that way ever again. I know right now, like I, this is watching this again. It's like so much promise. And I felt that same like excitement of newness. But then in the back of my mind, there's like this cloud, this dark cloud, like you remember what will happen, but I don't remember <laughs> what will happen. But I just remember the feelings that I had as it happened. So yeah, we'll see. I remember when this happened. And then like when, when you found out about that, like I just remember, whoa, like I remember feeling that. But, so, uh, but again, even with this episode, Episode. I haven't watched it years and um, because I hadn't seen it in so long, I was loving it. Like I was just really along for the ride because I couldn't remember so many things about it. Rory was transported inside the planet among a group of deactivated Daleks. He makes his way across the room as the Daleks begin to wake and ask for eggs. My bad, it's only the first syllable. Eggs. Terminate. They begin firing like stormtroopers at Rory when Osmond comes over the loudspeaker, guiding him out of there and into a safe zone. In the meantime, Amy starts to be affected by the microorganisms, causing her to see Daleks as a group of people. The doctor snaps her out of it and uses a Dalek self-destruct device to blow up the group of Daleks. Rory follows the explosion and reunites with the doctor and an unconscious Amy. So in this scene, there are two references. The first one is Vampires of Venice, where Rory pulls out a pen light. He pulls out that same pen light, so it's like, this is Rory's pen light. And then the other one is when Rory is dodging the now awakened Daleks. On screen left, you can see the heavy weapons Dalek from Remembrance of the Daleks with the seventh Doctor and Ace. Oh, really? Remember that? Yeah. So I thought that was cool that they did that. And I, 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 in my research, I, I saw that they asked Russell to use his Dalek that he was given at the end of his run. And then they also asked, like, had a, but like an open casting call for anybody that had a Dalek that they could bring to use. Wow. That's cool. well, I heard with Stephen Moffat was on an interview and they said that Russell's Dalek was when he had made, so it was never in any Doctor Who, so it wasn't a canon Dalek. So it was, now we get Russell's Dalek that he had made into the show, so now it's a real Dalek that he has. So I liked that, I thought that was fun. But when Rory first touched the Dalek, all I kept thinking was Rose yeah, in that episode. Don't touch a Dalek, you've been traveling through space and time. <laughs> Or even Mickey, when Mickey accidentally pushes up against it. Right. Mickey the idiot. Yeah, it felt like Rory had never seen a Dalek before. Or heard one. Or heard, yeah. Eggs? Eggs? Yeah, run. 
<laughs> well, I, I'm so, but I'm so, I'm genuinely confused by this. Has Rory never encountered the Daleks? Because in my memory, he has. He has. He does. He has the memory of the 2000 years. He mentions that later. Because at the end, in Big Bang and the Pandorica opens, he sees the stone Dalek come to life. And he hears it say exterminate. Mm -hmm. Eventually. Under, yeah. Like, I would be on board with this whole little eggs thing if Rory was stalling. You're crazy Dalek, maybe I can trick you into not wanting to kill me. But then he had the shock of like, what? Exterminate? And then I'm like, what? I was just like, I was very confused by this whole scene. Well, I'm someone who fell for it. Am I the only one in the group? <laughs> no, no, so and I was about to... Okay, for me, the, the reason thing. I fell for it, I think we're, we're together, Heather, is because of the souffle. Because the doctor says, where do you get the milk? And I'm thinking, when he said that, well, where do you get the eggs? And so the eggs have been in my mind since the beginning. And so when he's saying <laughs> eggs, I was thinking, oh, it has something to do with souffle. It had, you know, when it first happened. So that was mine going, I bought right into it. I didn't mm. even think about exterminating. I may have thought that if I knew how to make a souffle. I, <laughs> I thought Heather? of both. Because the funny thing is... Every time I watch this, I get a little surprised if he says, where do you get the milk? Because I always remember him saying, where do you get the eggs? Yes. <laughs> he, he does mention eggs later. Later. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I actually thought that Rory, when Rory first woke up and saw that he was surrounded by Daleks, I thought his reaction was super appropriate. Like he was barely moving. He was like, oh my God, this is the worst possible place I could be standing right now. And so when he said the whole egg thing, I thought he was just shocked because a Dalek had woken up and not immediately shot him to death. So he was like, okay, That's this is an asylum. I'm not dead. Maybe we're good. <laughs> so that's more the impression I got. And then he was like, nope, not good. <laughs> Rory likes to assume the See, best. I thought you know? Arthur's responses were great. His reactions for Rory, I thought yeah. were terrific. When Amy saw the people as Daleks, like, do you think there is a connection at all to the, the Daleks and the persons that Amy was seeing? Or do you think it was just random Amy craziness? It was the Nanos and Amy seeing some kind of kinship with Daleks. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know, like, especially because we're on this planet where other people have been transformed. Like, are they, like, were they once the little ballerina or no? No, I don't think so, because those are complete Daleks. Mm -hmm. And they usually don't do yeah. that. I thought that just as well. I, I was under the impression that those were the people before they got turned into Daleks. But I'm only thinking that because I know how the end of this episode happened. There's no way I would have thought that. No. But we also had the nanos like changing people already. You know, th that is a like a new thing for this episode where the eye stalks come out of the forehead and everything. So we're already kind of primed for this is yeah, going to be yeah. different. Yeah, no, I definitely thought about it too. I just missed it, but I did consider it. <laughs> I thought, yeah, I thought, I don't, then it went on and I forgot about it. There was a nice little uh, double talk scene when Amy and the doctor are trying to get out of the cabin. The And he goes, oh, someone else has gone through this before and they're blocked, so he's trying to pry it up. And they're talking about their breakup, you know, what's going on. And, you know, Amy's like, we broke up. What can you do? And the doctor says, what can I do? You know, it's just sort of, <laughs> I love that interpretation of that line. And those are some of the, another one of the lines that I just thought was really brilliant in this. All right. He's, just call him the love doctor. <laughs> 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 Tony agrees. <laughs> Another part I, I heard that. <laughs> Another part that I liked is when Amy asked the doctor what is going on, and he goes, "You're getting worse because you this is you've asked fourth. me this several times. Yeah, fourth time, fourth time. Fourth. Oh yeah. Yeah, I was like, 
Oh, that's kind of, it's like what Josh was saying earlier. That's kind of scary. But at the same time, we've done that before. Now, that's one like instance that. where I like the fact that we didn't see any of the earlier ones. Yeah. Right. I like yeah. the reveal to the audience at the same time. Well, yeah, it's great writing. It's great. It, it gives you exposition as it's actually happening. Like, yeah. it gives you backstory of after the fact with exp it was, it was very cool. I did laugh watching it again when they're trying to get out and the dead from the Alaska are coming down the shaft. So let's go, oh, we yeah. can't go that way. And we <laughs> never see them again. It's like they just are still trying to slowly climb down that ladder because they never make it to the bottom. <laughs> or they all just like fall in a big clump at yeah. the bottom and they're like twitching. Uh, I don't know why I visualize that. <laughs> Playing the xylophone on their rib. <laughs> <laughs>
that my memory of this episode is just her and the doctor having conversation until it's revealed who she is. Like, that's why the rest of the time watching this is like time being like, I don't remember this. I don't remember this. This is what this episode is about. I have no memory of the actual plot of this episode. I really thought that the, yeah, so. I remember thinking, what I was going to say is at this point, we had, we've never really seen a female companion be on the brain level as the doctor. And she just kept talking really fast and saying that she was a genius and getting stuff done. And I thought that was really neat. Like if they were going to do a female doctor thing at any point, like it could have been her at that time um, before the future happened. Yes. Um, <laughs> or the past, the now past. Um, but I really, I was really impressed by her when I first met her and everyone was because mm -hmm. I remember in the uh, like Pinterest and Comic-Con space, like Souffle Girl was everywhere. Like she was a huge thing. Like Souffle Girl, we love yeah. her. I know someone whose first like um, cosplay was Souffle Girl. It's also a really cute costume. <laughs> yeah, the whole the whole setting that she's in is super like cool. You know, she's got the hammock. She's got that cool dress with like the utility belt. She's got like the gamer keyboard and leather couch combo going on. I mean, it's all very cool. I always like how she sits in the chair. She like curls her legs up. Yeah, puts her legs like she's arm. She's really like she like, just got off work. Yeah, Tony picked off the heels. Have a glass of wine. <laughs> exactly. Start hacking the Daleks. Yeah. Ask Rory to take a shirt off. <laughs> yeah, Why would I do that? <laughs> just do it. Oh uh, yeah. I've been in here for a year, man. Just take it off. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, did anybody else get a Star Wars vibes from that transport pad? Because it looked like like a control console on the Death Star or some sort of Imperial <laughs> facility. Where yeah, Luke and Vader would fight on the Death Star. Yeah. Something like that, yeah. I just got that vibe from hmm. when they have the down angles. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> there was a lot of like gear stuff, right? Like it felt kind of yeah. like Empire. I'm trying to think of what set you're talking about. The one where Amy's lying down while she's recovering or waking up. Like when Rory first comes into that thing and she tells him to pop off his shirt as quick as he likes, that, there's a pad right there. Uh... I thought it was interesting that Oswin was saying that what the Daleks do to convert you, to get rid of love oh, and build up hate. You know, Jenna played it in looking aside in that it was something very seriously. She didn't want to look at the camera. It was, it was I thought, done really well. And then going, look at Amy. She hates a lot. And he was like, you don't know Scotland, do you? You know, just sort of <laughs> yeah. Amy then just you know, slaps Rory, remember me? So Yeah, it was around at this point where I noticed that uh, the camera angles on her started to be a little bit more ominous and intense. And her acting became a little bit more, again, ominous and dramatic. I think they were sort of planting the seed of, of what was starting to become like this point and then of course they would throw in a bit about scotland to mislead us into comedy like we think they made her sound ominous so we can have flip side and have a joke and then kind of keeps us off, off balance so we don't realize what's coming yeah i did think it was a great little bit when the doctor tricked the dalek into setting off his own self-destruct <laughs> yeah. and, and i had is one of his other kind of weaving through the whole story because he told them 
uh, told Amy at the beginning to remind them who you are. And he's like, identify me, know who I am. So he had to, you know, so the Dalek would then search the memory banks to know who he is and knows that he has to kill him. Is that when the Dalek says, you're the predator? I mean, he doesn't say, you're the predator, but he says, the predator. Right. Whereas like, in all of our past Dalek encounters, whenever the doctor says, who am I? They say, the doctor. So. Doctor. That's what, I, just... that, that's what I, I flipped to Eugene's uh, way of seeing this predator line. I'm like, nope. I yeah. agree with that line, but it's the foreshadowing of identifying me. They're making such a thing running through this whole episode about, you know, have them remember who you are and then identify me and that kind of a thing that just kind of is nice to have that running through the episode without being over your head or questioning like we did in other episodes of his writing of, well, what does this mean? What does this mean? And not coming anywhere. Obviously, they wanted to pay homage to uh, Alien versus Predator. <laughs> so that's what they've done. Uh, Frank, that the part where the doctor does destroy all those Daleks, I know he's always, the doctor's always had a kind of gleefulness when killing Daleks. And I felt like that same thing here with like, not only did he outsmart it, but like he did it, you know, sneakily. And then the glee that he has when, when it works and they are all destroyed. Sometimes it, it really bothers me a little bit. Yeah, it was, you know, Rory asking who killed all the Daleks and then the doctor shows up in that interest, great scene, you know, carrying Amy and going, who do you think? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of arrogance, but it was the doctor using knowledge as a weapon again, mm -hmm. knowing what to do. You know, you have to know who I am so that I can set this all up and then just hitting the reverse rather than you know, trying to shut them down. Just Yeah, thinking about that, Auburn, I would say more on what Frank's saying. It's not that he took glee in killing the Daleks, it's glee in so much of being impressed with himself. Hmm. Maybe that's, I guess I didn't think about it, but now that like that's how I would have taken it because. Well, also you have to remember um, that he, you know, hates this race so much that he can take joy at um, taking some of them out. But it's consistent. Oh, I'm yeah. fine with it. Oh, it is. Yeah, well, I know, and that's what I'm saying. I don't think Auburn's saying that. I didn't. I don't think Auburn's saying I didn't like that because it didn't. It wasn't in line with the doctor. I think he was just saying it makes me uncomfortable when the doctor does that. And I'm saying, yeah, I think that's that's what the show is getting at. Yes, have onion layers. Yes, our hero does stuff that makes us uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. Because we're like, yeah, so I think that's cool. No, I think it's a good reminder of that, that the doctor is flawed. But I could see it definitely being Glee, you know, looking back at other episodes when he's dealing with them. Like, yeah, this is the one that really, really just bugs him. Yeah, and it, it, it even reminded me of the episode Dalek with Christopher Eccleston, where he tells the Dalek to destroy himself or herself, whatever. And so he does it again. And at that point, Rose is like, wow, you're an animal. Yeah. And the doctor's like, what? <laughs> I am the bringer of peace. <laughs> Not literally. <laughs> is this the part where the doctor carries in Amy like yes. a bride? <laughs> a bride? Wow. A is dead bride. Would... <laughs> My goodness. Come on, if she was conscious, I don't Carrying know. Over the I threshold, think... is that what you're saying? Mm -hmm. Well, I was just thinking that that would be a great shot for like next week on Doctor Who. But when they actually came- That was used in the promos a lot. The thumbnail for the- which, which is clearly what it was made for. Because when it appeared in the actual episode, I was like, oh, that's just kind of weird, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. yeah. it's not really yeah. worth it. You know how like sometimes the trailers have things that didn't make it to the final cut of the movie? Like maybe that would have been one of those things. Though. But no, I guess not. <laughs> but anyway, that? that's it. Nothing useful, just, just a oh. comment. That's fine. Rory, 
Rory says he loves Amy more than she loves him, so she should wear his wristband to buy them more time. She is furious and slaps him. She didn't push him away, but she gave him up instead. After what was done to her at Demon's Run, she can't give Rory what he always wanted, children. She let him go so he can have a family. As they both deal with this news, they realize that they both have on a wristband. The doctor has slipped his onto Amy's wrist. Who loves? Who blame? <laughs> so much that bugs me about this. They very quickly refer back to the fact saying that he didn't need it earlier on. No, this is when they say it, and it's a throwaway line. Well, maybe no, he, he just not. didn't need it at all. I think, but don't, that's just, because I remember thinking earlier in the episode when they gave it to him, mm. I thought, didn't they just say he doesn't need it? Because he won't be, he won't be by it? I remember something like that. Hmm. No, this is the first time that Amy speculates. He probably doesn't even need it. Right. So why didn't he give it to her sooner? Because I of this know. moment. He yeah, was he was like, yes. manip- oh, Okay. All right, you're right. I thought of doing this when he straightened his tie earlier. Did, did we see the dead that had the bracelet or did the doctor steal the bracelet earlier? Oh, we did. Okay. He was on yeah, the, but the doctor. Oh yeah, he was holding The doctor it. could have taken it off her and just been like, here, have this dead guy. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't prove anything that the, the dead guy just had it. Yeah. Or he could have given her them his. It may not have been. He maybe never even took it off her. But she wasn't wearing it. That's right. You're right. No, you're right. You're right. <laughs> but then, I mean, it was weird because she discovered it on later. Like, right? She's like, oh, I already have one. When yeah. Did, yeah. When did he get so good at sleight of hand? The doctor is, you know, like the seventh doctor. He's good at sleight of hand. I knew that was happening. As soon as they were grabbing onto her, and I was like, well, they're going to take her bracelet. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that, that he put it on when she was unconscious. It's like, oh, she's progressing too fast. To me, it was like, you're throwing all this stuff at us at the last second. It's like, well, after what happened to me at Demon's Run, it's like, wait, what happened? Yeah, what happened? It's like, oh, I can't us. have children. Whoa. Well, we didn't know that. That's kind of icky, creepy, what they did. And then it's like, you know, you only wanted children. He did? He only wanted yeah. Amy. I mean, I'm not saying he doesn't want children, I'm... but it was never played that way. No, it wasn't. That was Amy's choice when she was pregnant, but that was really the only time. That's but not enough. <laughs> yeah, it was too much exposition all at once because having their child, you know, still taken from them, no matter knowing that it's River, no matter knowing that you grew up with her, it's not the same thing as being a parent to your child. So that was taken away and finding out that was the only option you'd ever have to be a parent. So I get the emotion behind it. And because of what happened at Demon's Run, you know, they can no longer have kids. I understand that, but it it doesn't seem like Amy and Rory's breakup reason. Yeah, it was too... It was too quick, too convenient, and there's, I don't know. I mean, people break up all the time, but it's like Amy and Rory would... Amy and Rory... Would, I don't know. The only thing in that entire uh, conversation that rings true to character to me is when Rory says, I love you I love you more than you love me. That's a very Rory line to say. I think that yeah. very much hits the heart of the character. Yeah, what I don't like about this scene is that it's not show us, don't tell, it's tell us and then tell us. Right. Mm-hmm. That's what I don't like about it. Agreed. And there's one issue I have uh, that's, I guess, more personal, is that there are plenty of children out there that need parents. And if you can't have your own kids, the idea of adoption is still having a family. I just don't get that that didn't come up. 
not with those two. I, I thought the same thing. I, I thought it in the way of like, oh, so these are more people who think, well, I can't have kids. And uh, I, I said to myself under my breath, I was like, well, you can't adopt. You know, I guess you know, plenty of people who every time I hear, and I'm not saying anything against it, because I know there have been many people created in this way who are wonderful people and everything. But when people go through arduous IVS, IVF processes, I feel like, you know you couldn't adopt you know that's and i know it's it's much more complicated than i'm generalizing it to be but like but there are people who go through that process because they say but it's not mine you know i don't think rory and amy are those type of people but i think a lot of a lot of these things that come from our lives are put into a television script and then put filtered through and then like they don't realize that's a message that comes out like the crank you know like we were right. sitting and we're all we all in one fashion or another said what about adoption <laughs> like so your your love for each other uh is pardon the pardon the word is trumped mm -hmm. by um by adoption by 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 the 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 mixing of adoption you know like i love you more than anything in the world except i'm not going to adopt a kid it made me think more about that first scene where we see Amy in the cold open when Rory is leaving and Amy does turn to him and says, Rory, wait. And it's like old Amy's voice. Like it's not the angry Amy. So it just, when you were saying that and then Josh, your point too, it feels like she's like trying to make Rory leave on purpose. I know that is kind of what we've said, but it's like that that stray dog, you know, that you can't have follow you anymore. Like, no, you gotta go, you can't follow me. And you just like throw stones or whatever in the story to to, to make it think that you now don't love it. So it goes and and gets a happy life or whatever. And, and again, I, I think they could have done that way better. The, like I didn't get that until hearing yeah. this discussion here. And that would have been, and at least, I mean, not still like, yes, adoption should have been an option, especially if it's like a physical thing with Amy that she's no longer able to have kids at all. Like then you just go to the next step, right? Which is, well then whatever. But but yeah, I, if, if I see it in that light that Amy just wants Rory to be happy. And so she does have more love. She has enough love that she's going to hurt him so that he leaves. Maybe that's noble. We, we, it's kind of not on us, but like a repetitive theme that we bring up in this show that there are very rich things to explore that like, we just need to make a sci-fi Doctor Who show. We're, uh, okay, we'll put this information here. We'll put this information here. We got to get the monster out. Yay, we're next, onto the next episode. Like we, we yeah. say that so often, um, but, uh, but we can watch. For me, this scene is the culmination of a character arc that never should have happened. It was started at the beginning of the episode as a surprise. And it wraps up at the end of the episode with surprises. None of them, none of them ring true. And it, to me, it's like you literally threw this in to give Amy and Rory something to do. And I also tie that back to a moment that we all loved, which was in the beginning of the episode, Amy, Amy knows everything that the doctor is thinking just by the way he's walking around. And it's like, that's a great Amy moment. But that's also saying there's nothing left for Amy to discover. There's nothing left for her to, again, it's another example of there's nowhere left to go. She knows this guy just by when he straightens his bow tie. You know, she knows exactly what he's thinking. And it's a great moment because that's perfect for Amy in that in the in the, her character arc but it also kind of means it's kind of the end of her character arc so they needed something to, for them to do so they throw in this well, well we'll make them have a divorce so that they can reconcile at the end and the whole thing was too artificial for me 
Agreed. This just reminds me of our conversation at the God Complex. This was the logical end of these two characters, and then they kind of stretched it out, and they have to shoehorn in things like we're discussing now to give them something to do. That's I I I'm in agreement with all you, but I'm also since I'm on the other side of the fence of of television, it's that's how shows are made. Like this is we have this many episodes. We these are the plot points, and we have to do these things. How do we? you know, at some point, it it will become shoehorning stuff in. Josh, we don't want to hear your lame excuses, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Not an excuse. It's it's kind of a you know, like I can't watch TV without just even my favorite movies. I just see it. Oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. I'm like the Matrix, like blonde, brunette. <laughs> I still think you could have done this without resorting to divorce. We oh, could yeah. have just found them in a sad, heartbreaking place in their marriage. And I would have been like, oh, they're suffering together because they're a couple and they love each other. Like you don't you don't have to go to divorce town. Right. These stories come from the point of view of a, of a writer uh, who either makes things as black and white or as complicated as you just mentioned, Heather. You, you, you know, there are many other ways. It's just, you know. If I were Arthur Darvill or Karen, I'd be like, no, I refuse. <laughs> <laughs> For me personally, I, I was I was hoping that they would go the route of Amy wanting to continue to go on adventures and Rory wanting more a stable life, a happy life at home. And so that's where I feel that the conflict should have come from, where Amy wants to go with the doctor, but then Rory doesn't want her to go, but goes anyway to keep her safe. And that would have been more in line with who I know these characters to be. Yes. And they even hinted at that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they're, they're about to be thrown down on the planet. And he's like, don't be scared. And she's like, what? I love this. I miss this. Yeah. And, and Rory is like, he's not arguing with it, but he he's not necessarily resigned to it. But he's just kind of like neutrally accepting it. Well, yeah. here we go again. He's not like terrified. He's right. not like, you know, he, he has reached the point where it's like, here we go again. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll either get through this or we won't. Been there, done that. But also when the doctor was with Amy and telling her that she's changing, she said, you know, after I said, oh, it's been four times, just now I'm really scared. She goes, good, hold on to that. Being scared is not Dalek. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the thing you... Right, and then even later on, it comes up again. But it's just like that other line about the dogs being scared and then yeah. trying to do this. It's just a bad... Somehow, I think in just drafts and how many times you did a script, it didn't flow right. Something went yeah. wrong. Because that's what I was going to say is like in the beginning, they say we're kind of fearful of what's going down on the asylum. And then now the doctor is saying, hold on to fear. That's not Daleks, even though they kind of alluded to that. So again, this retconning stuff is something I don't like about this season. But I think that particular point was like, that's why the Daleks, you know, didn't want to go down is because they were afraid and didn't want to face that fear. Yeah. It's just weird when, you know, you analyze things for a podcast. (laughs) Right. The doctor is near to Oswin, but must pass through intensive care, housing the severely insane Daleks who have survived the doctor. These Daleks break free and surround the doctor. Oswin finishes hacking into the Dalek database and erases all information about the Doctor. She also opens the final door that will lead the Doctor to her, and he sees a Dalek. Since she was very intelligent, the Daleks have converted her completely rather than use her as a puppet. She created this vision of a stronghold to keep herself sane and human in her mind. 
The doctor convinces her that she is a Dalek and she advances on him, ready to exterminate. But she fights off the Dalek influence and tells him to run and remember her. She shuts down the force field as he runs back to the transport pad where Amy and Rory have reconciled. They beam to the Dalek ship, which then destroys the planet. Thanks to a parting gift from Oswin, none of the Daleks remember the Doctor. He takes the TARDIS and drops Amy and Rory back home. This isn't the first time that the, the Dalek's memory has been erased, is it? Um, well, it's not the first time that the Doctor has been erased. It happened in Out of Eccleston. the do- Okay. Yeah, he's been erased from... Oh, yeah. the internet at that point, not the Dalek. Okay, that was my computer. Uh, like that. So it's like yeah. They have enough knowledge when they search it earlier in this episode to yeah. feel threatened, obviously. One thing I want to mention is at the very beginning of this section is when the Doctor is freaking out and screaming, help me, help me, to Oswin. I don't, I don't feel like I've ever seen him freak out and scream for help like that before. Yeah, I agree. I was like, what? It struck me odd too. Like he was horrified and it's just like, you just outthought your way of how many things and of, of, of all this stuff and you can't find your way out of a closet, you know, to this. Yeah. So. And it's not even like I'm particularly mad about it. I just was surprised by it. That's all. I wasn't, I don't really know how I feel about it. I was just like, well, I don't feel like I see that very often. Cause he's yeah. been that way in other points going, oh my gosh, the doctor is even scared. This is really bad. Say that. Yeah, I, I mean, I've definitely seen, I definitely remember seeing him scared before, but like for some reason, just he's literally back up against the door. Like, if you don't do something right now, that's it. This is over. <laughs> he's panicking. The one that really comes to mind is Eccleston in the Dalek episode yeah. where he's clawing at the door to be let out of the same room. Yeah. His plan was for her to come to them, but she was like, no, you could, like, maybe he just didn't have enough time to plan. And yeah, he I didn't really know about the offensive this. care. Or, or it was bad uh, script writing in that they really, really had to heighten the tension so that when the door opened and it should be this emotional, let's hug each other, it's... <gasps> It could be, but I kind of want to believe that the doctor and it almost, you know, because at this point we've seen Daleks so many times that they really didn't have, the impact was gone. And, um, but I want to believe in my head canon that the Daleks really mess him up like bad. Because I think that just makes it cooler than we need tension right now. <laughs> like, yeah. I want to believe that they're the only beings capable of really making him lose his beep. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't watched this since I first watched it years ago, and I remember like being totally duped what Oswin's deal was at the end. But now watching it, it's like so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 how could you do this? this is, didn't I tell you I'm a genius? How did you hack that? I can't hack that. I told you I'm a genius. And everything, you know, every time someone relates to her communicating with them it's through an eye, it's, you know, it's through a Dalek piece of tech. But it also makes sense because she's hacking into so but it was just funny because i remember being like what like at, at the end of this episode originally and now i'm like oh yeah that, no, oh, that, <laughs> i thought it was strange that he keeps trying to convince oswin she's a dollar not saying not keeping her human and going you know you're inside the machine but you're you're still holding on to it you're strong but it's like no you're not you're not human you're a dalek you're a dalek and then exterminate oh wait a minute what are you doing <laughs> What do you think she would be doing? (laughs) So speaking of Daleks, when uh, Oswin spews out a bunch of conflicts, I guess, there's mention of Spiridon, which is from Planet of the Daleks, which is the third Doctor, Kemble, which is the Daleks' master plan, which is the first Doctor, Aridius, which is from the Chase, which is also the first Doctor, 
Vulcan, which is from The Power of the Daleks, which, which is the second Doctor, and Exelon, which is Death of the Daleks with the third Doctor. You know, and I was going to look all those up, but I'm like, eh, Eugene will tell us tomorrow. <laughs> you would make a good Dalek. <laughs> <laughs> and here again, Oswin brings up when she comes to terms with it, why do they hate you so much? And that we've grown stronger in fear of you so that the Daleks, because she's connected, do have fear. So just so it just seemed odd at that one line, the doctor saying, hold on to fear because that's not Dalek. When you have two other things saying that the Daleks do have fear in that same episode, it's like that got overlooked. It's like you should have taken that one line out with the doctor. Unless you twist the words a little bit and it's not hold on to fear because fear isn't uh, Dalek. It's holding on to fear isn't Dalek. Whereas the Daleks are trying to get rid of fear where they're trying to solve their problems so they're not scared. So I guess you'd have to see the punctuation in the script to see if it was, you know, hold on to fear. That's not Dalek. Fear is the mind killer. That's that's doom. <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking of uh, my dear, comma, Angelica. Yes, I <laughs> See, Josh always explains these things from a producer point of view, but I always think of them from an actor point of view because I have a degree in theater and I understand that actors don't have a ton of power, but what would stop Matt Smith from saying this is contradictory to a line that, that I memorized three scenes ago? Like, Well, they could have just, they could have shot at his, okay, well, let's get one for Matt. Let's get it that way. You know, they could have had. And, they, and again, they could have had more scenes that do what we're talking about. But now the show is 60 minutes long. We got to get down to 42 minutes. You know, things. What what can you, what can we cut that we can not? What do we have to? I get what you're saying. <laughs> Isn't that a role in, in, in filming? Is the script? Um, Anybody about Script supervisor, but not character. Yeah, basically most, most, isn't it that most producers are like, I'm in charge and the actors need to just shut up, say their lines and get paid? It, that's, yeah, it goes production to production. Sometimes they, they do, sometimes they don't. Yeah. But I, I think one thing that does make a difference, Heather, is like a, a theater play, you know, you do it all at once and front to back. Whereas this, like Matt Smith, I, I don't know his process. He might not be memorizing lines. You know, if he's getting pages every day, it's like, do the pages today. The next day, it's going to be a whole, might be a whole other episode. No, you're totally right. If we're sitting here realizing this, chances are someone else did, but it might have been in the editing room and they're done shooting. And it's not a big deal. I mean, I'm sorry to make a big deal of it because it's not really a big deal. It was a good line at the time. It's just rewatching it over and over. It's like, wait a minute, it comes to you. Why yeah. didn't they think about 10 years later, a group of friends will be analyzing this to put out on the internet. They need to it's think like ahead. they don't even love us. <laughs> <laughs> if it wasn't for us, they wouldn't have a show. Right? They owe everything to us. They do. What show? Well, who's this doctor? Doctor who? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we make that the last line of this episode? That's an interesting thing. Moffat has been trying really, really hard to reboot Doctor Who. And he needed to stop mm -hmm. because he made like, you know, I remember Josh was saying the Doctor got like every adventure was saving the universe. Yes, that needed to stop. You needed to calm yourself back down. But he was trying to do it quickly. So it was like, I'll make everybody think I'm dead. Well, that's not going to work because I have to be in the next episode, you know, and then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to make it so that the Daleks have no idea who the Doctor is. 
oh, wait, that robs me of all this history, which is really fun. They remember, you know, it's it's like, stop, just do it better organically. Organically, that might be a good word. It's like they have no concept of a future happening after the episode. Yeah, because in our season six over, or just season six in general, when we were talking about that, we were talking about how the silence will fall, change, and then now Doctor Who is sort of changing a little bit in my mind, because at the end, when Dorium says Doctor Who, what does that what does that mean and then now the daleks are saying you're the doctor doctor who as in dr smith dr jones uh, what is your name and so that to me yeah (laughs) so that's changing again i feel and this is the start yeah 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 it's a little too meta and it's also stephen moffat at his moffat-esque or you know what it's stephen moffat at his jj abram-esque I'm gonna build this mixed mystery box and 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 okay, I'm done with it now. You know, it doesn't ever really pay off. I'm bold. <laughs> yeah. It's like I don't remember I don't think everything anything ever really pays off with the Daleks not knowing who the doctor is. And like by the end of the season, they're back to knowing who the doctor is, so what was the point? And why did they bring the TARDIS? That always bugged me that the TARDIS was in that room. What bugs me is they teleport into the TARDIS. You can't teleport into the TARDIS. He says he has extreme accuracy or something. I want my money back. That's but they've used that right? as a plot point before. Where it's just one of those kana. How'd you get in here? You're not supposed to be able to get into the TARDIS. Obviously, when it didn't work before, he just broke it and fiddled with it a little, and now we can. Obviously, come on. But again, Matt Smith sells it. Yes, yeah. he does. He goes from, he just, he, there's so many, you know, where it's just kind of like, ha, 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 wait, I'm kind of confused, and I'm gleefully enjoying this in like a period <laughs> of 30 seconds. It's funny, when when the, when the Daleks are have their, their collective memory erased that who the Doctor is, I kept thinking, is the Predator left? And now it's going to be, the Daleks have to catch the, catch up to catch a Predator with the Daleks and Chris Hansen. <laughs> <laughs> Tonight on NBC Dalek. Dalek line. Dalek line. <laughs> like the the memory of the love I have for this episode is stronger than what I think this episode is. Does that make sense? Like I don't think this is a very good episode, but I, I, I love this episode. It's so it's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited to watch this episode that I'm watching and I'm like, what? This is <laughs> this is the episode I was excited to watch. We need to get you a nano cloud so that you'll forget and then you can watch it again for the first time. Yeah! For the next podcast. This is actually the fourth time you've watched it. Oh, yeah. One thing for me is for a race that focuses everything on purity and genetic uh, purity, for lack of a better word, uh, the Daleks do sure like to use humans a lot to build Daleks. But Oswald keep... is on the planet, so these are the crazy Daleks who transformed her into a Dalek. Yeah, but we've also seen this before. It's like, you know, they'll, right. they will do anything to survive, but it always does seem to come back to, we'll take pieces of humans and make more Daleks. And so it's like, okay, we just always see that. Right, so other than uh, Matt Smith, Karen Gillan, and Arthur Darville, we have Jenna Coleman playing Oswin. She's uh, most, I guess, most known for Victoria in Victoria, and she was in Captain America, the first Avenger, as Connie. Huh? I don't remember that. Oh, she has like one girlfriend. One of the two women that go on the date with with, uh, Bucky and Steve as they go to that fair. Oh, wow. The Stark Expo. Yes. It's really more of a cameo. 
Yeah. But I remember Josh was like, I just noticed her. And I'm like, yeah, we all knew that. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, Josh, keep up. <laughs> and then uh, Anna Marie Marinka plays Darla. And she is the, the Dalek puppet spy with the red hair. She was, I've seen her in Euro, the Europa Report and Fury. She was in it a lot more than I remembered. Yeah. Naomi Ryan plays Cassandra, and she's Amy's hairdresser, stylist. She is a Nova Centurion in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. I wonder if they're friends, IRL. Yeah, I don't know. David Gayassi plays Harvey, and he's the one on the planet that doesn't know he's a Dalek. I know him as uh, Daniel from Annihilation, and as Romley from Interstellar. He's the one that gets left as they go into the water planet. Oh. And he ages That's 20 sad. years or so. He doesn't have very good fades in these things. <laughs> yeah. So it was funny to see him in a similar role as he did in Interstellar for this episode. And he and he's also uh, Argeus Astrayan in Carnival Row. Hmm. When's that, that getting another season? season? Yeah. That I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Eugene, you know everything. Never then. <laughs> and of course, we have uh, Nicholas Briggs doing the Daleks' voice. And then Barnaby Edwards and Nicholas Pegg play most of the Daleks that are on screen. The other thing I can think of is that this is the first season opener not set primarily in our solar system since uh, Smith and Jones in season three. So, Asylum of the Daleks, who is this episode good for? Or more specifically, this episode is good for who? A new viewer, a casual viewer, a fan of the show, or a diehard? Man, I don't know. I would not, I don't think I would start this episode for anybody. And it's a season seven, it's a season opener, but yeah, I, I don't think this would be a good introduction. I agree with Dr. you. Doctor Who, so yeah. I mean, it still is a season opener, so I'll say casual because it, it does, you do need to watch it for the whole, do you need to watch it for the whole reveal at the end to know Clara's upcoming character? Hmm, it's a good I, point. Do you? I would say no. Hmm, keeps going higher up the list. <laughs> but, uh, but we'll get there because we're going to revisit this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess for now, I will, I'll go with uh, casual. I'm just going to go buck wild here and say, new who, this is why. <laughs> no, I have a reason, I swear. So my logic is that even uh, even people who have never seen this show usually have some idea of what a Dalek is. It's the pepper pot thing, it's a bad guy. And so they would at least recognize possibly that. And they're coming in cold on this Amy and Rory thing, but hell, all of us were, right? So if if uh, somebody who watches this show is is just is confused anyway, why not just throw someone in there? Mm. And then um, I think there's a lot of really funny zingers and one lines and the the mild recognition of the Daleks, the introduction of we have that moment of kind of like heart uh, uh, with Amy and Rory reconciling, even if you don't really. Well, we didn't, there was no build up to that. So it's not like a new who viewer missed it. And um, I just feel like it's intriguing and interesting enough that people would want to watch more. So there, I did it. <laughs> you all are confusing me. Because 
I came in with one idea that I was like, okay, this will be it. But then Kelsey messed me up by saying she liked it the first time, but didn't like it on the rewatch. And I liked it more rewatching it, but not the second time, but more I rewatched it for this, the more I liked it. Uh, but Heather made a lot of good points, not being invested in Amy and Rory, you buy what they're telling you, you know? Yeah, you wouldn't be as angry, for sure. Right. Which is good. Um, I was I'm coming in with it for a fan because I think you want to rewatch it a few times and you'll grow to like it more. Kelsey almost had me going to a diehard because of that. <laughs> but I'm going to stay with fan. It's it's almost like you should watch it once as a new viewer and then never again. <laughs> and if you watch it again, you have to watch it more than once. You have to yeah. watch it two, three times more. I almost agree with Heather. <laughs> <laughs> Because, like, there's a ton of, uh, uh, anything you need to know to understand what's going on in the episode is in the episode. Even if you don't know a history of Daleks or never even seen them before. The opening is, these are the bad guys. They're a bunch of robots. They look like this. They're really scary, according to everyone who talks about. And then, you know, like, the whole Roy and, and Amy relationship stuff. It's just, it's very spelled out. Um, but I don't think it's good for a new viewer because there's just a ton of subtext that, yes, it, uh, things about the show annoy us because we know that subtext. But uh, as a fan, we it's just it's it's there's it's just too meaty. Uh, as a fan, we can place it into the the world more, and um, so I think it's better for a fan. But a new viewer can at least enjoy it. So, fan, fan. Okay, <laughs> just making sure because you said two things. <laughs> I would never show this to someone uh, who was new, but if they happen to come across it, they'd still enjoy it. So I would say fan. Um, I honestly didn't know, because I, except for new, I couldn't argue anything for new. Thanks, Heather. <laughs> uh, I think I'm just going to say casual, because if you're familiar with the world, you wouldn't get shocked by the Amy and Rory storyline because you're just casual. Uh, so yeah, I'll, I'm going to say casual and stick with that. Um, before I give my uh, category, I will say that like the more I think about the scene that I didn't like with Rory and the Dalek and the eggs, I'm actually like coming around to liking that scene now because I have always wondered what those balls are on a Dalek. And so maybe I can look at the scene and be like, oh, are we about to find out what those balls do? Are they well, eggs? Well, remember in Dalek with Christopher Eccleston, oh, they, they like fly off them and, and then they explode. No, they exploded. Yeah. Oh. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I have no idea. Um, like if it wasn't, a, if it wasn't a season opener, I would say casual, but because it is a season opener, I really do. I do think someone can watch this as a new who viewer and want to keep watching more and be intrigued enough and not lost enough. And, um, I don't think I would like use this season to introduce anybody to Dr. Who, but if they said, Kelsey, I'm going to start watching Dr. Who, I'm going to start with season seven, or I'm not going to start at all. <laughs> What do you think? I'd say, yeah, go for it. <laughs> watch the first episode. You'll like it. Go watch Downton Abbey instead. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say new. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's shared how tough this is because it is. I remember watching this the first time. I was so excited that Doctor Who was coming back and I did not like this episode the first time I watched it. I'm like, why are Amy and Rory at this place in their relationship that was a shocker to us? 
And I think that was the only other time I'd watched that episode until just recently, because I popped open the DVD, put it in, and this is like, oh yeah, this stuff again. <laughs> but it, it is good for new, because you don't know the stuff that I don't like. <laughs> uh, I'm just gonna go casual, just stick with it. So that wraps up Asylum of the Daleks. Thanks for listening, stay safe, and we will see you next time when the future becomes the present. You've just listened to an episode of Who Knew? Our wonderful theme music is by Michael Grady. Find him on Facebook at The Universe Explodes. All our episodes are engineered by Auburn. You can find him at auburnbinkley.com. You can also find this show in several places. Follow us on Twitter at Who Knew Podcast. Subscribe, review, and listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Or our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash whonewpodcast. All our episodes are on whonewpodcast.com. Visit our Facebook page. Please leave comments, reviews, and click like to help support Who New Podcast. To listen to our show on your Amazon Echo device, enable the AnyPod podcast skill. Ask AnyPod to play the Who New Podcast. This podcast is inspired by Doctor Who. The longest-running sci-fi show in history. And especially the revival, spearheaded by Russell T. Davis. Thanks to Russell, Sidney Newman, Verity Lambert, Ron Grainer, Delia Darbyshire, and all those involved in the adventures of our favorite Time Lord. Your work continues to inspire and entertain. Yeah, Dinosaurs on a Spaceship oh. is our next fan oh, favorite. <laughs> oh, God, help me. Run, Brian! Oh, Brian my is required. <laughs> what even was that? Oh, it's just a pin. That's a high, uh, hologram pin. Frank's like Whoa. eggs. Eggs. I need eggs. you to pick up eggs. <laughs> <laughs>